0: I hope you'll take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 13. This morning, we're going to be looking at Jesus' spiritual habit of serving others. Jesus' habit of serving others, the spiritual habit of service. Now, we've been in a sermon series for a few weeks now, studying the importance of regular spiritual habits in our lives, where we can grow in respect to our salvation, where we can grow spiritually and we can put ourselves... In positions to live as Jesus lived, walking in fellowship with the Father by the Spirit in love with Him and serving and loving others. So we've tried to limit our study to the spiritual habits that we see in Scripture, and in particular those we see in the life of Jesus. So our goal, as I've said each week, is to live and to practice, to live as Jesus lived and to practice The spiritual disciplines and habits that were a part of Jesus' own life. He is our master, and we are his followers, so we should live as he lived and follow him as our example. Now, serving others, I want to say here from the beginning, as we look at Jesus' spiritual habit of serving others, serving others is not simply a spiritual habit or discipline that should be a regular part of our lives, it is also a kingdom principle for Christ's disciples. It is one of the marks of a Christian who has been changed by the grace of God and is someone who is walking with Christ. Jesus, as I said here, um, uh, serving others is one of the chief marks of Christ's followers and it is one of the principal convictions of Jesus' life. You cannot look at the life of Jesus and not recognize that he has a motive in mind, a goal in mind, an idea in mind, a principle in mind of serving others. Listen to what he says in John 10. He says this, "It says, And Jesus called his disciples to him, those that are following him. He says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. And listen to this. But it shall not be so among you. That's not how his kingdom is going to operate. That's not how his disciples are going to be known. He says, it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the One of the key principles of Jesus' life, one of the key kingdom principles that will be known among his people, this principle is what transformed the world. As Christians from this point on laid down their lives for the good of others and for the glory of God and revolutionized the way civilization operated, it's out of this principle. Jesus says in Matthew 23, he says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. So this morning, we're going to discuss Jesus' example of serving others from John 13, 1-7. It's one of the most moving passages, in my opinion, um, uh, in John's gospel. This is what it says in John 13, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, he tied it around his waist, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you were clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he resumed his place. And he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. For if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. I want to draw out just a few things here as we look at Jesus' habit of serving others. Number one. Jesus is our example in serving others. Number one, Jesus is our example. You see there in verses 12 through 16, look back at what Jesus says. After he does this incredible act um, here at the Last Supper, he says to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, for right, you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, look what he says, You also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. So Jesus here is our example in serving others. Do you notice the scene here? This is the Last Supper. They've come in from outside. Their feet are dirty and filthy, and before they are to sit down and have a meal, their feet are to be washed. This is Jewish custom. Now, according to scholars, quote, proper etiquette, generally more important in the East than in the West, taught that guests, begrimed from journeying through the dusty streets, should, on arrival, have their feet washed by a slave. This was a particularly humble task included in a list of works which a Jewish slave should not be required to perform. This was such a lowly task and such a humbling task that even a Jewish slave was not required to do this. And Jesus himself, on purpose, lays aside his outer garments, puts on the very robe of a servant, wrapping himself in a towel, bowing down, filling a basin, and does what none of the disciples are willing to humble themselves enough to do. Now, Jesus here sets the example and the expectation of humbly serving others. You can underline it. It's as plain as day in verse 15. I, Jesus, have given you, my disciples, an example that you should do just as I have done to you. You will serve others in humility laying aside your rights, laying aside your privileges, laying aside whatever you think you deserve or own or have to serve others for my good, for my glory and their good. And you'll notice here that that is the expectation. He, it is, there's an example given and an expectation set. And you'll notice that as our example, Jesus is not afraid To get his hands dirty as he has shown time and time again in his ministry. As he is the only one who will go among the lepers and embrace them and touch them and make them clean. That he will walk among the tax collectors and the sinners and the harlots. And he will dine with them and he will feed them. And he will carry their burdens, heal their sick, cast out their demons. All humbly serving them. Willing to do what no one else is willing to do. He'll receive the children when the disciples say, leave the master alone. He doesn't have time for you. You mean nothing to us. And Jesus says, suffer the little children to come unto me, taking them on his lap, blessing them, kissing them, and saying, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Not to those that sit in palaces, but to the humble and meek. So the question for us is, what can we learn here from Jesus' example of serving and his expectation that we serve others? That's the question we'll answer with the rest of this sermon. So I want you to notice a few things here. That Jesus is our example. He sets the expectation. But there are about five other things here that we can learn about why and how Jesus served others. Number two, Jesus served others out of love. Look there at verse 1. Look at verse 1. It says that when the time of the feast of Passover come about, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus served others because he deeply loved them. Loved, Love moved Jesus and motivated him. How often it says that he would look out on the crowds with compassion. That he they were, they were like a sheep, they were like, uh, they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus moved with compassion. He would go towards their need and not towards comfort. Love was the driving force behind everything that Jesus did in his service to others. And the same love is what led him to the cross, which is where he's going, by the way, after this supper. First John 4 records this this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. It was love that motivated Him to serve others, ultimately leading Him to the cross where He laid down His life for the undeserving. Now, I'll say this, you can serve others out of duty. People do it every day. You can serve others because you're paid to do it. You can serve others because it is the expectation set, even in our culture, by the way, which still retains some of its Judeo-Christian worldview where we prize humble service to others and um, no matter where you are, that is a big deal in our, in our culture these days where you have people who make it their entire life goal to do something involved in social justice or something, but it's, out of, it's born out of this worldview, not out of a secular atheist worldview where there is no reason to serve anyone for anything. So you can serve others out of duty or out of cultural expectation, but that doesn't mean it's out of love. You can serve others out of a motive to manipulate them and in order to get what you want. You can serve them in order to give yourself a good pat on the back and tell everybody how proud you are and virtue signal to the world. I'm at the soup kitchen with the homeless people. Look at me. What does Jesus say? Jesus says when you go and you're doing these deeds, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Because the motive isn't to be seen by others. He said those who want to serve and be seen by others, they already have their reward. No, the reason is because it must come out of a motive of love. Listen, you you can serve people out of a motive to manipulate them in order to get what you want. I can do that as a pastor, to be seen by you and be applauded by you. A politician can do that among his constituents. But for Christ followers, it will always come down to a matter of the heart. Are you willing to lay aside your rights, get your hands dirty, go out of your ways, and self-sacrificially serve others for no other reason than you love someone else made in the image of God? Not because of anything you will ever see coming back towards you. That's why Jesus says it it is more blessed to give than to receive. But the matter has to come down to an issue of the heart. Will you, like Jesus, love and serve others, not because your pastor tells you to, or because you feel guilty, or because you feel of there's some past guilt in your life or in our culture that needs to be amended for, because you love people. Because at the end of the day, you're like, Jesus loves me, and he is, his love has been poured out into my heart, and that love is going to overflow into love and serving others, not because they need it, not because they deserve it, but because they need it. Number three, so we learn that Jesus served others out of love. Third, we learn that Jesus served others in the midst of his circumstances. You see that? Look there back at verse 1 again. He says, this text begins, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Remember, this is Jesus' last night on earth, before his death and resurrection. Everything is coming to a head in Jesus' life. It is all moving rapidly towards the very purpose for which he was sent to accomplish the Father's will. It is now all at hand. And what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do in his last hours among his disciples before he's arrested and they strike the shepherd and the sheep are scattered and they all run back to their old professions and hide? How does Jesus spend his last few hours with his disciples? He does what they will themselves not do. He chooses to humbly lay aside even his own rights there and serve them where they are. Now listen here. You might think, well, Jacob, I'm willing to serve others if the stars align. And if the timing is right, and if I've I've built the time into my schedule, and if I have a little bit of time here that's not taken up by this or that or something else, I'm more than happy to serve others. Life is busy. Sure. Life is hard. Sure. Life is unpredictable. Sure. And Jesus serves others as an example, even the night he is about to be arrested, tried, and then crucified early the next morning. So we learn here that serving, isn't, uh, serving others isn't something that, ha- that we need to plan for or make, a, or, uh, or make sure we get into our busy schedules. No, no, no. Jesus serves in the midst of his circumstances. He serves whether or not things are going great, whether or not things are going well, whether or not things are going really good, whether or not he has time, whether or not, no, 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 no. I'm doing this as an example that this is important. This is important. Listen, I know in a room this, in the room this size, we all have busy schedules. That's one of the, that's one of the struggles of our Western, modern American culture. And we think that Well, if the stars align, I'll serve others. And Jesus says, I'm going to the cross in the morning, and I still have time to do this. I'm going to the cross in the morning, and I still have time to do this. You can think about that the rest of the day. I'll let you think about that the rest of the day. Number four, and this is one of the big ones. Jesus served others despite his position. Look what he says there in verses 13 and 14. Jesus tells them, they're, they're, the, the, can you imagine the faces on the disciples as none of them, as they're looking around in pride at each other going, I'm not going to wash your feet. Peter, your feet are nasty. Peter, your feet smell like fish. Um, I'm not washing any of your feet. I'm not the lowest man on the totem pole. They've already had the argument, right, which one among them is the greatest. You know, who's it going to be? Who's going to sit at your right and left hand when you come into your power, Jesus. You know, they've already had all these arguments and discussions. Peter's certainly like, it ain't going to be me. I'm not washing these jack wagons feet. And so what happens? Jesus says in verses 13 and 14, they're, they're bewildered. And he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, Paul captures this incredible thought well back in Philippians that we had read earlier. Philippians 2, you read earlier, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped or clinging to, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. God has one son, his name is Jesus, and he comes to earth as a servant. And he says he humbled himself, he says, and being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And it's for that reason that God highly exalted him. Jesus serves others despite being God in the flesh. Jesus serves others despite his position. If anyone here did not, if anyone at this table deserved to be served, it is the one who has on the towel who is washing feet. Number, four, what, number five, the exact opposite. So not only did Jesus serve others despite his position, Jesus served others despite theirs. Jesus served them despite their position as being inferior to him and of being of all kinds of different problems. Look what it says in verses 2 through 5. I want you to make sure you see this. Verses 2 through 5. Look, look how John lets us know about some people that are at the table. He says there, verses 2 through 5, During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. The betrayer's are there. He's there. It's already in his heart. He knows he's going to get up from this meal and go have a meeting to arrange Jesus' betrayal. It's Already done. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper, laid aside his garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then look at verse 18. Jesus knows this. He says, I'm not speaking to all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. It's hard to imagine It's hard for us to imagine this, right? It's hard for us to get this in our heads, but Jesus washes the feet of Judas Iscariot, knowing exactly what's about to happen. Doesn't change anything for Jesus. I'm a servant. I'm showing you the heart of your Father, and I will serve those that will stab me in the back. Does not matter. I want you to get this. It's hard for us to get this in our heads. You have the Son of God. Picture yourself here in the upper room. All the disciples arrayed, reclining at the table. Jesus on his knees, washing their feet. Every single one of them. The Son of God. The the, the eternal, self-existent, self-determining, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-creating, all-sovereign king of the universe, the one who dwells in inapproachable light, the one who is altogether lovely and holy, who is an all-consuming fire on the floor, wiping the dirty feet of fishermen, tax collectors, and the one who would ultimately betray him. In God's kingdom, we can never say that someone else is not worthy of our service because of our station in life or because of theirs. The first must be last and the greatest must be servant of all. I hear Christians complain all the time and they go, why would someone leave America to go to the mission field in Indonesia when there's so much need here? Sure there's need here. Do they not need Jesus in Indonesia? Are they not worthy to be served by Christian disciples and missionaries? To go and wash the feet of the Muslims there? Who do not know the self-humbling, self-giving love of Jesus who died for them as well on the cross? Or are Americans just better than them and so they deserve to be served? These are things we have to these are kingdom principles. These are things that we have to get into our heads and into our hearts if we're going to walk as Jesus walked and live as Jesus lived. The first must be last and the greatest must be servant of all and finally Jesus served others to ultimately point them to the truth of the gospel. This is what's going on here. Jesus is giving them a picture of what is about to happen. This is what's happening. Look at verse 19. He says, "I'm telling you this now I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Believe what? You may know that I am the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come from the Father to rescue you from your sin. Jesus says that he is doing this at this point He's doing this to point them to what's about to happen. He's about to serve them in the most ultimate of ways. Washing someone's feet is one thing. We might say that's gross and beneath us. But let me tell you, bearing the sin and shame and the wrath of God on the cross is something altogether different. That's what Jesus is about to do. He would die in their place, taking their sin and shame and the wrath of God they deserve so that they can be forgiven and welcomed into the Father's presence. And Jesus says that he's serving them and telling them what's about to happen so they will believe he is the Messiah. This is, what, this is not what some despot does. This is not what some authoritarian, authoritative dictator will do. This is not what some cult leader will do. No, this is the Son of God. Humbly laying it all aside. But there's another connection Jesus wants them to make here. Look back at verse 20. Look what Jesus says here in verse 20. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. I didn't read this earlier, so you have to look at it. This is is beyond what I've read. This This is verse 20. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. You see the connection? Jesus wants them to make the connection that as they go from this place, and as they serve others like he has served them, they will also ultimately be pointing others to Jesus. They are being sent into the world as servants like Jesus. So again, we've been sent like Jesus. The church, this is how you have to think of our church. The church is a family of missionary servant disciples. It's not my definition, but it's a very good one. That's who we are. We are a family united together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a family of missionaries who have been sent like Jesus into the world with the gospel. Who are servants. Who are disciples following after Christ in his footsteps. That's who we are. We are a family of missionary servant disciples. So as I conclude, there are a couple application points to think about as you strive to develop this spiritual habit of serving others. So here they are. I'm just going to read them to you. A couple of application points. Number one, as we serve others like Christ, if that's what we're called to do, if that's going to help us to grow spiritually, if if we're going to be more like our Lord Jesus in his daily life, who served everywhere he went. As we serve others like Christ, we are honoring the God who made them in his image. That's what happens as we serve others. We're honoring God who made them in his image. Number two, as we serve others like Christ, we are serving Christ himself. What did Jesus say? If you give someone else a cup of cold water in my name, you've done it unto me. As we serve others like Christ, we're actually not serving them, we're serving Jesus. Number three, as we serve others like Christ, we are showing them the very heart of God who revealed himself through Christ who came to serve, not to be served. So as we serve others, we're showing them what Jesus is really like. It's a shame when we lie as Christians as to who Jesus is really like, right? That's a shame when we don't live as Jesus lived and we ultimately lie about the Christ we serve. How much better is it when we actually show others what our master is really like? Humble, giving, gracious, kind, merciful. And number four, as we serve others like Christ, we open our hearts and souls to experiencing the joy of Jesus as we lay down our lives for the good of others. Only as you serve others do you open up your heart to the joy of actually experiencing what Jesus experienced. That's what joy is, right? Jesus, others, and you. Jesus first, others second, you third. That's what happens. Number five, as we serve others like Christ, we help them better understand the truth of the gospel. Jesus came to serve and not to be served. And number six, as we serve others like Christ, this is, the part of our, this is the point of our whole sermon series. As we serve others like Christ, we become more like Him. We become more like Him. Meaning, we grow in humility, gratitude, and obedience. Now, while you're there in John, I want to close by reading John 12, 23 and following. Look there, Just this is right before this happens. Look at chapter 12, verses 23 through 26. At what Jesus says here. Here's what Jesus says. It says, Jesus answered them. He said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Listen to this. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Serving others shows us where we belong and who we belong to. And that's Jesus. Would you pray with me, Father? I pray this word has been encouraging. I pray that it's been faithful. I pray that it's been most of all honoring to Jesus, who is our example, who is our Lord, who's come to serve us who do not deserve to be served. So, Father, I pray that we would put into practice this very habit that we see all over the life of Jesus, that we will serve Jesus by serving others. Father, for the glory of, your, of the Father in all things. And Lord, we ask that you would do this in us for Christ's sake. Amen.